There we go. There we go. There we go. How's everybody doing out there? Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving Up Live right here on Twitter, as well as the Carving Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. As always, I'm Bryson Carver. At least to briefly start this show, Cheesehead Ozzy is making his second consecutive appearance. He's, you know, he's been around on on the show uh, a lot these days. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just the Packers are losing a lot, and not just losing, but losing in prime time. And Jordan Love struggling by the week more and more. So uh, we'll, we'll talk about that in just a second. Packers Raiders. Uh, rematch of Super Bowl two. Fun fact for you guys, except this game went in favor of the Raiders. Obviously, they'd, uh, they'd rather have had the, the trophy in, in, in uh, 1968 or 69, whatever year it was. But uh, oh, I'll get to that game in just a second. Okay, Chief said Ozzy in the building. Hey, Sharon! Sharon! All right, sorry about that. Uh, also, we got a lot to talk about in the NBA. The NBA general managers somehow, someway do not think that the Golden State Warriors or the Los Angeles Lakers are going to win the championship. Not necessarily saying that either of them are, but to imply that they are is, is is a little bit hyperbolic, I must say. I'll get to that on today's show. Also, also, Bryson's best 10, top 10 teams in the NFL going into week six. I do this every Wednesday. A uh, very interesting list this week. A lot of, you know, some teams back in the top 10. Very, very interesting. Definitely be sure to tune in for that. Uh, one team falls precipitously uh, in my top 10. Also going to talk Dallas Cowboys and just more drama. <laughs> Created by Jerry Jones. What's new? Getting to that and at the end of today's show, Broncos, Chiefs, predictions to kick off week six tomorrow in AFC West showdown at Arrowhead Stadium. But first, we'll get to the Raiders in just a moment. Packers don't look so good. Who could have ever called that? Wah. But the Packers lost uh, Monday night. In Las Vegas, Nevada, 17-13. to 13. Uh, Jim, Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't special by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, you know, he, he threw a bad interception there. But, you know, pass ring solid. It's in the mid-80s. Like, it's just a kind of a typical Jimmy G game. Threw a touchdown. Threw a really ugly interception. But his performance, oh, his performance, which was uneven at times. Oh, it paled in comparison to old Jordan Love, who went 16-30, to 30, 182 yards, zero touchdowns. Now one, not two, but three interceptions. Most, if not all of them, bad. A QBR of from 0 to 113 and a passer rating. For the record, the max passer rate you get is 158.3. Jordan Love basically got a fifth of that. 132.2 passer rating for Jordan Love. This despite getting over 100 yards from his running game. But I think what's interesting about this game and about Jordan Love in particular is the fact that Notice any time that we hear about greatness. Let's just keep it within the realm of sports because we hear about these great athletes or maybe some of these up-and-coming athletes. And oftentimes, let's use a guy who just played the other night in a preseason game. Looked very good. Kid by the name of Victor Wimbenyama. Plays for the San Antonio Spurs. Number one pick in this year's draft. I, along with many others, think he's going to be spectacular at the next level. It's hard to keep the cheese head on. But Victor Wimbenyama. And you're hearing all these people, oh, wait till you see Victor. Oh, yeah, everybody's got to learn to say his last name. You can call him Wimby. He's the seven foot five or six or seven foot ten, whatever he is. A uh, guy from French who can shoot, who can defend, who's long, who, who's rangy. His, his game looks like Kevin Durant to a certain extent, but then it kind of looks like Chris Stapps Porzingis. Like, watch out for Victor Wimbenyama. 20 years ago, there's this kid out of Akron, Ohio. Maybe you've heard of him. His name is LeBron James. They were televising his high school games. We were thinking, oh, there's LeBron James. Uh, th this guy's going to be something in the next level. In the NFL, 
You think about uh, you think about Trevor Lawrence. Oh, Trevor Lawrence hyped up coming to the NFL. Look at his highlights at college, and man, Trevor Lawrence is going to be spectacular. And you see now, it's pretty good. Numbers bared out, wins bared out. You see what he's doing. But with Jordan Love, it was a bit different. Where not only did he back up Aaron Rodgers for three years, but it got into a point in time where after the Packers traded Rodgers to the Jets, it became. Okay, Jordan loves the guy. What do we got? Where is he? Uh, where, where, where the heck is Jordan Love? Uh, I don't see like practice highlight of him, and uh, the Packers aren't really telling you a lot about him. It's not like this situation where they're trying to keep a secret, make sure that it doesn't get out how good this kid is. You just wait. If he's good, he doesn't need to be kept a secret. The whole world's going to see it come September. Did you notice that game plan the other night by Green Bay against the Raiders? It's quite interesting. So, there's no Aaron Jones for the Packers. Certainly a big loss with respect to A.J. Dillon. Aaron Jones is obviously the Packers' best running back. But left tackle, David Bakhtiari, gone as well, potentially for the season, it looks like, which sucks. He's a, he's a great player. But Jordan Love's in the football game, and no number one running back. And yet, Matt LaFleur, Green Bay Packers, say, we're just going to keep handing the ball to A.J. Dillon. We're going to give the ball to that other kid, Taylor, Patrick Taylor, uh, you know, J Jordan Love, uh, you know, took, you know, ran a couple times himself. He's, he's showed him some ability. But they kept, hand the ball off, hand the ball off, playing conservative, playing conservative. They did not trust Jordan Love in the slightest to make the tiniest mistake. If you notice with any of the great quarterback talents, think about Trevor Lawrence. Think about Andrew Luck. Think about... Even a guy who has a great coaching staff, great weapons, great organization, Patrick Mahomes with the Kansas City Chiefs. Andy Reid let him make some mistakes. Andy Reid was like, you know what? Occasionally, Patrick's going to try a throw. He probably shouldn't try. He's going to throw maybe a, a kind of an ugly interception, but the upside of what he normally gives us is worth that one bad play every once in a while. Ooh, no, not in Green Bay. They're like, let's just, let's, let's just keep the training wheels on Jordan Love. Let's just get through the game. Don't screw it up. This despite, this despite the Packers having a week and a half to prepare for this game. This despite Christian Watson in his first like, first, like really fully healthy game back in the Packers lineup, and we know the speedster he can be. This despite the fact that the Raiders over the last decade have been one of, if not the worst defenses in the NFL. Yet and still, Jordan Love had 15 attempts going in the fourth quarter. Even more interesting. Like, think about this stat, okay? Jordan Love on passes. This just shows you how conservative the Packers were playing with Jordan Love. On passes thrown, not over 20 yards, not over 10 yards. On passes thrown over 5 yards. Jordan Love was 3 for 11 with 3 interceptions. And this wasn't just a one-week thing. This takes back to the, to the Lions game last week at home with Aaron Jones. Jordan Love on passes thrown over five yards in the last two weeks. So the other night against the Raiders and then two weeks ago against the Lions. Jordan Love, 14 of 32, five picks, zero touchdowns. Basically, in, in the simplest terms possible, the absolute second the Packers and Matt LaFleur say, okay, Jordan make a play, Jordan make a throw. He's careless with the football. 
He makes poor decisions. He seems, and I've said this since like week two, week three, week three, especially against the game against the Saints. He looks really antsy in the pocket, doesn't look all that comfortable, despite having one of the better offensive lines, even without Bakhtiari in front of him. Listen, I know Max Crosby is a superstar. Max Crosby was, was, was the best player on the field on Monday night. But uh, how about the rest of that Raiders defense? Linebacking court, eh. Secondary, ugh, really bad. Saw Christian Watson beat him over the top that one play. That was that was ugly. And the Raiders are known for a lot of things. Good defenses are not one of them, is not one of them, at least in the last decade. And Jordan Love still can expose it. And the Packers didn't, didn't even trust Jordan Love to expose it. I'm not going to sit up here and act like the Packers have the weapons of the San Francisco 49ers. But they're pretty good. Christian Watson has proven he's one of the faster players in the league, one of the better deep threats in the league. Romeo Dobbs is a red zone threat. Good kind of third down player. Luke Musgrave, the tight end. Good player. A.J. Dillon running the football. I mean, Green Bay's got some nice players. But when you don't have, you can have all the ingredients you want, but when you don't have the chef to put it together and put together a great dish, a great meal, it's all for naught. It's just ingredients at that point. Now, some of this is, is on Matt LaFleur as well. I'll get back to Jordan Love. But some of this is on Matt LaFleur as well. If you look at the Packers, this is another stand. This is from Warren Sharp, uh, who's probably the top analytics guy. You're like, oh my God, Bryce is analytics. What do I say about analytics? You should use them. You're doing yourself a disservice if you don't. You should not allow them, should not allow them to make every single decision. But for fans, for media, for those of us that cover the NFL, analytics kind of help. Kind of help, you know, a detail and, and, and see what we're looking at. The Packers' first half stats... Uh, in terms of scoring in the first half. So what, what does that mean? It means what was your game plan to, you know, to start it off first quarter and kind of trying to execute that in the second quarter? Really, you make your big adjustments, most of them at halftime, which LaFleur struggled in the past with. But his opening game plans haven't been great either. Some of that's limitations at quarterback. Some of that is limitations at the head coach, which I've said for, for years now. The Packers are losing at halftime by 43 points if you combine their five games a season. So combine the first half scores, their first five games, they're losing by 43 points. Only the Patriots and the Giants are worse. And we don't exactly look at those as very good offenses. They're really very good quarterbacks. I've defended Daniel Jones because the offensive line in, in the, with the Giants has been awful, but you get the point. This falls on the floor as well. Now, some of it is he doesn't trust his quarterback, frankly, nor should he, given what he's seen. But if you're the Green Bay Packers, you're looking at a situation where you're two and three. By the way, it isn't like the schedule gets a whole lot easier for Green Bay uh, moving forward. So they got at Denver next week. Eh, okay. Minnesota without Justin Jefferson, that's that's fine as well. After that, Los Angeles Rams. Have you seen Puka Nakua and, and Cooper Cup? Dangerous. Matt Stafford, dangerous. That running game, dangerous. Then they got at my Steelers. Ain't no way. If Jordan Love could only put up 13 points, could only muster 13 points against the Raiders, what is Pittsburgh going to do to them? I can't wait as a Steelers fan, but it's not going to be going good, going well for you if you're a Packers fan. The next week, LA Chargers. Now, nobody, for good reason, trusts Brandon Staley. Do we trust Matt LaFleur a lot more? And Staley, in his defense, has the much better quarterback. That sounds like a loss to me at Lambeau. At Detroit on Thanksgiving. Heck no, they're not winning on Thanksgiving in Detroit, the way they're playing right now. Then they got the Chiefs at home. They're not beating Kansas City. They don't have the offensive firepower to compete. Then they got Giants, Bucks, Panthers, Vikings, Bears. So, you know, kind of a, an easy stretch toward the end of the season. But that middle part where it's 
Rams, Steelers, Chargers, Lions, Chiefs. Honest to God, I could see the Packers going 0-5 in those games. I really could. So, I can confidently say what I've said all offseason. This is not by any stretch of the imagination a playoff team. This is a limited quarterback. And if you're Green Bay, the silver lining to it is, listen, you've had a great history with quarterbacks in the past. With Favre, with Rodgers. It's just not going to work out with Love. If by year four he's still not ready to go and the coaches still don't trust him, that's a problem. But the good news is for Green Bay, a lot of good quarterbacks this draft next year. And if you're bad enough, you'll get one of them. One of them that has much more talent, much more uh, upside than Jordan Love has. But as we sit here today, that's not your starting quarterback. That's not your franchise quarterback moving forward for Green Bay. If, if the standard in title town is titles, is bringing the Lombardi trophy back home, so to speak, that's not the guy who can do it for you. Packers, rough, rough loss. Um, brutal loss for Green Bay, but uh, I mean, I can't say I'm just like stunned. I mean, I picked actually picked the Packers to win the game, but Jordan Love, and I, I said this, take the shades off too, along with the cheese head. I've been saying this since uh, since uh, week three, week four, since the loss to Detroit, certainly, that Love has, if you look at his games, either it's a stats, fourth quarter performance, first half performance, certainly, kids looked worse and worse every week. It's like the more that these coordinators get film on him, starts to be a little bit of a problem. So, you know, rough loss for the Packers. That That's one of those games that they wanted any shot to make the playoffs. They had to win that game. And they came up short, and their quarterback came up short. So it was a rough performance. Jordan Love, I think, Mac Jones aside, uh, was the worst quarterback uh, in week three. This week three, week five. It was bad. It was really bad. And at least in Mac Jones, in Mac Jones' defense, and I never say those words in sequence quite often, the Saints have a pretty good defense. The Raiders don't. Got to be, got to, got to be honest when we see it. Again, folks, I don't know. It's the second straight show that's done this. I don't know why the Wi-Fi is being is acting really weird right now uh, with, with my laptop with the streaming thing. So we'll try and get that you know ironed out as much as possible. But uh, yeah, for some odd reason, it's just it's just not it, it's it's not working that well. So again, if if we deal with any serious connection issues, we'll try and get those resolved as soon as possible. Right now it looks like looks like we're good. Looks like you could see me probably not as as clearly as you normally could, but uh, as long as I'm on the screen, as long as more importantly you could hear what I'm saying, that's that's all it that matters. But again, a, a rough loss for the Green Bay Packers. Okay, so uh and real real quick briefly on Vegas. And I'll briefly on Vegas because again, to me the story is Jordan Love and the Packers because they we view them as as kind of the superior team, at least in the respect of, uh, of what we expected them to do this season. But, um, <laughs> you know, I said coming into this game, I said for me this game was which quarterback and which which head coach did I sort of trust a little more because I don't trust either quarterback or either coach that was on that field in Vegas last night. And so I was like, okay, I guess I trust LaFleur more than McDaniels, and I guess I trust Jordan Love more than Garoppolo, although that might have been a little bit of a shot at Garoppolo because, I mean, listen – was he riding the coattails of a great 49ers team? Of course he was, but occasionally, time to time, he made some plays. He had some game-winning drives mixed in there in San Francisco. We got to be honest. So that was a little bit of a shot at Garoppolo looking back on it. So apologies to, 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 to Jimmy, but uh, I still kind of stand by the McDaniels thing because what are what are the Raiders doing? They're up four. It's, it what ended up being the final score, 17-13. You're up for going into the two-minute warning. You got a fourth down. And Green Bay is kind of on the ropes. You got a fourth down and one if you're Vegas. 
It's either go for it on fourth down or kick a 54-yard field goal. They opted for the field goal, which if you make it, great, but, uh, you know, they still got to score either way, so it doesn't really change things. If you miss it, which Daniel Carlson did, and by the way, he missed another kick. Daniel Carlson's a great kicker, but Carlson missed another kick earlier, so he was kind of a little bit of a rare cold streak for him. Now the Packers get the ball to your midfield have it with a chance to win it. So that was a another questionable move by Josh McDaniels. We know last year they blew all those fourth quarter leads uh, last year. They blew a bunch of double-digit leads last year. So just a rough coaching game, no question about it. John Rivera, my man for the Fan Perspective podcast, is in the comments. John John has got the got the 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 shades uh, emoji. That's cool. Yeah, listen, I, I had to bring the had to bring the shades back out, right? Cheese cheese head Ozzy. Keep keep the Red Sox hat on for most of the day. John John, you know, listen. You know, I, I think we are the one thing we can come together on. Red Sox fans, Yankees fans today is rejoicing the fact that the Orioles have just as many playoff wins this year as both the Red Sox and the Yankees. How about that? Baltimore getting swept by the Texas Rangers. That was, listen, I, I took Baltimore to win the series. I never really bought into the into the Orioles all that much just because I th- thought they were too young. Man, that was, a, that was a rough one. That was a rough, rough performance. By the way, game three of the Braves Phillies series is going on right now. Phillies are up six to one in the bottom of the third. So certainly looks like it could be trending towards a Philadelphia game three win. Let me tell y'all something, especially now given the score is what it is in game three. Austin Riley literally saved Atlanta's season. I, I, most of us were watching the football game on Monday night, but I was keeping a close, close eye on the, the Braves Phillies game two in Atlanta where Phillies up 1 0. Atlanta's kind of on the ropes. They're down four runs at one point. They're down five to four in the bottom of the eighth inning, two outs, man on base. And Austin Riley hits a bomb to left field to give him the lead. And then the Braves obviously turn that double play. And Truist Park went insane, uh, understandably so, after they turned that double play on Bryce Harper there to end the game. But uh, again, given the score here, and even this is not in hindsight 2020, Austin Riley literally saved the Braves season. I had the Braves winning the World Series before this year started. And, uh, they're, they're in a tough spot here. So if they lose today, season's on the brink tomorrow uh, in Philadelphia in game four. So who, who would be the, who's the pitchers in that game? They announced yet? Uh, it'll be Spencer Strider, the ace for, for Atlanta, and Philadelphia has not named their starting pitcher for game four. So very interesting. Uh, Dodgers are going to be fighting for their playoff lives tonight. Down 2-0 at, uh, at Arizona. How about that? The Dodgers could go out back-to-back years to an NL West rival. Padres last year, Diamondbacks, 84 win Diamondbacks. Which what which team was it that um gosh, I think it was Washington that won like 80 something games. Or I I definitely know Philadelphia didn't win that many games relative to other playoff teams last year. It came two wins away from a title. And it seemed like I remember Washington put together some kind of run in 2019. They obviously won the World Series that year, but where they put together a uh Kind of an average regular season. No, no, no. It was Atlanta. It was Atlanta. That's who it was. Atlanta two years ago. They were like below 500 at one point in August and ended up winning the World Series. So it's a long baseball season. That goes without saying. 162 games. Uh, Astros twins tonight. Houston could close Minnesota out. I think they will. And advance once again to the ALCS. Uh, I, I let's see. Let's see. Astros have Astros have not missed the American League Championship Series since 2016. How about that? That's that is sustained excellence right there. Cheating or no cheating, that is sustained excellence. Yeah, just keep a tab on the MLB playoffs. So, hopefully the Braves come out some sort of crazy comeback, kind of the way they did in, in Game 2. But, man, let me tell you something. Philadelphia is a tough place. Citizens Bank Park, I think, is where they play. That's a tough place to go in baseball games. That's a that's a raucous postseason atmosphere, no doubt about it. Um, 
I did want to move to this, though. So the NBA does a thing where they poll their general managers uh, every year and sort of get their talent. Like, who's the best player in the league? Who's the best player in each position? Who's going to win MVP? Stuff like that. Uh, some of it is is like, uh, who's who's the smartest player in the NBA? Like, they, they, who's the best defensive player? They just It's usually like 50 questions or so that they poll these general managers. And one of the questions they ask, it's a great question to ask, is who's going to win the 2024 championship? And it, it, it's kind of the usual uh, suspects to a certain extent. If you look at the list, so the GMs uh, in these polls uh, said, if I could pull it up here, uh, they said, who's going to win the championship? They've got the, hold on, I've got it here. All right. They've got the, oh my gosh, it's not on here for some reason. Oh my gosh, shoot, I lost it. Lost in my notes, folks. Hold on. Oh my gosh, I, I literally just lost this in my notes. Hold on, let me. I, I'm gonna pull this up. Uh, I, this this has never happened on carving up live before. I, I know we're gonna try and get this back as soon as possible. Let's see. Yeah, for some reason we don't have it. Is it on here? Okay, here it is. There, my my bad. Okay, we got we got we got it now. All right, here we go. Apologize for that. For some reason, it was just giving me problems there. This website I was using uh, as a source is actually NBA.com. So, uh, not to call it the website, I'm just saying, just, uh, for some reason, it just disappeared on me there. So, NBA general manager, NBA general managers did a poll where they they they're polling on who's giving the MVP to the league, who's the best player, who's the best player at each position, all that. Well, first question they asked, okay, was who's going to win the 2024 NBA Finals? And so it's sort of the usual suspects. It's Boston Celtics at one. They're tied with the defending champion Nuggets at two. You understand that. Then it's Milwaukee. Then it's Phoenix. Then it's the Los Angeles Clippers. No Golden State Warriors, no Los Angeles Lakers. Does that not strike anybody as odd? So you're telling me five teams could win the championship and none of them happen to reside in either the Bay Area and I'm not talking about the Sacramento Kings with all due respect. They'll be good this year, not a title contender. Or the team that, you know, has 17 titles, has a top, his two, or has one top 10 player. I'm not going to put Anthony Davis there because I don't trust him on a game-to-game basis. And from a physical physicality standpoint, uh, or from a from a durability standpoint, rather. But a great bench and uh, experience in the playoffs at actually doing the winning thing. So no Golden State, no Lakers in this poll. That's very interesting. So Boston, I understand that. Okay, they they were they made the finals last year, uh, two years ago. They got to a game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals last year. They upgraded the coaching staff. They added Drew Holiday. They added Kristaps Porzingis. I understand that for Boston. I, I have no qualms. If the Celtics are the favorite, no issues with that whatsoever. Denver Nuggets tied with them. Of course, I I think the Bruce Brown loss is actually be more impactful than people think, but I have no no problem. Jokic is smack dab in the middle of his prime. Jamal Murray looks like he's about to go into his. I, I think there's no question if he stays healthy, knock on wood, he's going to be in the All-Star game. You got Aaron Gordon. You got Michael Porter Jr., good bench, good coach. No issue with that. Denver uh, being the favorite or being tied, sort of the co-favorite with Boston, no issue with that at all. Milwaukee Bucks. I didn't think Milwaukee would be as down the list as they were. They were a pretty distant third at 10% behind Boston. Or, yeah, behind Boston and Denver. But you got the third best player in the league, in my view, Giannis. You had the 10th best player in the league, in my view, in Damian Lillard. You got Chris Middleton. You got a solid bench. You've got size. You got, I think, an upgrade at head coach. Milwaukee's done it before. I understand that. No issue with Milwaukee. Here's where it gets weird for me. Phoenix Suns at number four. So you're telling me that 
Denver side, let's just say Denver, we took them out of the Western Conference entirely. You're telling me the Phoenix Suns would be the favorite to win the West. Really? Really? Given their, their best player is injury-prone and hasn't made a conference final since he was a Golden State Warrior, talking about Kevin Durant. Their third best player, Bradley Beal, uh, I'm not going to hold the no play or lack of playoff experience in the last few years against him. He played in Washington. It's kind of hard to win there. But he's injury-prone as well and a defensive liability. Yusuf Nurkic, who's their fourth best player, is a, an injury-prone big who has virtually no playoff experience in part due to the injuries, isn't physically reliable, and they, know, they have no point guard. And they got worse at head coach. And I, I've always defended Frank Vogel. The Lakers should not have fired him. I said that on my show a couple of years ago when they did. But he's not, he's not the head coach Monty Williams is. He's flatly not. So they're better than the Lakers. Let's start with the Lakers. Who have, I still believe, the if, if we had to put both those teams on the floor, which I think they play like very early in the season, I think the first Thursday of the NBA regular season, the Suns and Lakers face off. The Lakers will have the best player on the floor in LeBron James. The third best, I'm sorry, the fourth best player on the floor in Anthony Davis and the best defensive player in AD. The better bench, a point guard, multiple point guards that they can throw out there, multiple defensive stoppers. You're telling me that the Lakers aren't better than Phoenix? And as for Golden State, you know, they did just win the championship. Uh, let's see, it's it's October, so 15 months ago, 16 months ago, with most of the same guys, with Steph, who's still in his prime, with Clay, with Draymond, who's these GMs ranked among the best defenders of the league, the third best defensive player in all basketball, understandably so, the second most versatile defensive player in basketball, according to these general managers. You add Chris Paul, who's now the best backup point guard in the NBA, who's now, you're reading reports coming out of Golden State. Remember I mentioned, if somebody's not good, Jordan Love, they kind of stay quiet on it. They're not really going to tell you. They're like, okay, we're just going to hide him right. You hear what's coming out of Golden State? They're saying Chris Paul, and they, people are like, ah, even, even those who liked the Chris Paul trade were like, ah, does it make sense from a basketball standpoint? Check the reports in Golden State for people who aren't going to, you know, pe people out there who aren't just going to cover the Warriors and say say things nice to them just to say, just because they're covering the team. No, no, no. They're watching these practices. Chris Paul fits in seamlessly with these guys. Heck, we saw it in the preseason game the other night against the Lakers where Chris Paul's in there. He looks comfortable. He's moving without the ball. Looks great. Looks great. Looks as comfortable as ever. You have Jonathan Kaminga who's going to make the third-year leap. You have size with Dario Sarge and Kevon Looney. I'm supposed to think Golden State's just going to nosedive? Are you kidding me? That they're worse than Phoenix? And then this one's better. This, this, this one got me because it's the annual tradition. The Los Angeles Clippers, according to the general managers, have a 3% chance to win the finals, despite the fact that their best player, we talk about injury-prone players in Phoenix, they got nothing on the Clippers. Matter of fact, the Clippers lost to Phoenix because their top two stars were injured. Kawhi Leonard was out after game two. Paul George never stepped foot on the floor in that series because of his injury problems. Paul George hasn't played a full season in years. Kawhi Leonard, we know the low management stuff. Again, a lot of that is warranted because I think the man literally has arthritic knees. I don't have that confirmed by a source, but given some of the issues he has and recurring knee issues, it feels like a, a, a something that might correlate to, to, to that exactly. But... Kawhi's out of his prime defensively, is good offensively, but can be stopped in terms of uh, his, again, not being as physically reliable. Paul George, I've always been a Paul George guy. He can't stand the floor either, and he's out of his prime defensively. And after that, it's Russell Westbrook's kind of your third option, and you got some other guys. You got Norman Powell, who I, I, I actually like Norman Powell. You got Ty Lue as the head coach. I understand that, but a physically unreliable team against the Lakers, you're like, oh, the Clippers... 
haven't lost to the Lakers since March of 2020. Actually, it was right before COVID when they lost the game. I remember that game. It was a Sunday game in, in Los Angeles. I remember that. Who cares? The Clippers ain't, Clippers ain't doing nothing. The Clippers. Uh, listen, I know the culture's changed, and I know Steve Ballmer's in there. He's one of the better owners in the NBA. Clippers cannot beat the Lakers in a seven-game series. The Clippers cannot beat the Warriors in a seven-game series. So I saw this poll, and what I thought was really interesting, and I agree with this. So... Again, they asked these GMs, I think it was 50 questions. And there's a lot of, a lot of stuff in here, like who would you want taking the last shot with the game in the line? I think Steph Curry won that. A lot of questions. Here's what I loved. And I wholeheartedly agree with these general managers on, on this one thing, by the way. Listen, Boston's really talented. Denver's really talented and has a championship. Same can be said about the Milwaukee Bucks at three. After that, it's kind of a crapshoot in terms of talented teams. They voted on this one category. Who's the best leader in the NBA? Number one, LeBron James. Number two, Steph Curry. So I'm supposed to think with those two guys manning the ship, both those two guys being the best player on their respective teams, both those two guys with years of playoff experience and ring after ring after ring counted on their fingers. Four rings each. A lot of MVPs, finals MVPs, a whole bit. That with talented rosters... That may not be as as pretty and sexy on NBA 2K as the Lakers and Warriors are that I'm just, for that reason, supposed to put the Dubs and the Lakers below the Phoenix Suns and the Los Angeles Clippers? So you're telling me that best-case scenario, we can argue all day about who's better between the Warriors and Lakers. I give the Warriors a slight edge because I don't trust LA as much physically as I do Golden State. I think Golden State's got the Babs vibes out of the locker room with Jordan Poole. Put that aside, though. That, that doesn't matter in this discussion. You're telling me, regardless of who you think's better, that that team you think is better is the fourth best team in the West. Really? I, I don't care about seeding. Seeding doesn't matter. Seven seed Lakers made the Western Conference Finals. Eight seed Heat made the NBA Finals. No, I don't care about seeding. I'm talking about, objectively, top four teams in the Western Conference. You're telling me either Lakers or Warriors are at the bottom of that top four. Really? With respect to these general managers... That's insane. That is insanity. So I saw this yesterday. I, I don't get it. Out east, Boston's great. Milwaukee's great. After that, it's kind of eh, Philly. We don't trust. There's a James Harden situation. Knicks, we love. I love Brunson. Brunson, by the way, was on this list of of uh, he got a vote for uh, for best leader. For those of you who don't know, don't know uh, best leader. It was voted LeBron at twenty seven percent, Steph at twenty three percent, Jokic at seventeen percent, uh, Jimmy Butler, Damian Lillard, and Chris Paul three way tie there at seven percent. Other players receiving votes were Giannis, Jalen Brunson, Draymond Green, and Drew Holiday which all those guys are tremendous leaders, but as far as one and two, totally agree. Like you, I, I almost be, I, I'd rather them be like, like kind of like equal. Cause I think they're both incredibly talking about LeBron and Steph are, are infinitely valuable to whatever team they're on. Obviously Steph throughout his career in golden state. Now in year 15, LeBron for 21 years with the Cavs, heat and Lakers. Uh, I thought that was, I thought that was weird. I saw, I'm like Clippers. Are we, are we really doing this again? We're going to trust a team that's made a single conference finals over a Lakers team that has won the finals in that span and a Warriors team who has also won the finals in that span. Really? Okay. Let's see. The Lakers have two playoff series wins in the last two years. The Warriors have five playoff series wins in the last two years, and the Clippers have zero. Okay. Yeah, you you knock yourself out trusting the Clippers again. Trust me. When I first started carving up live, when I first started the show in October of 2019, we're actually coming off the anniversary in about a week or so. Point is, 
When I started that show, I was all in. That was after the 2019 NBA offseason. I was all in on the Los Angeles Clippers. I was wrong on that one. Yeah, they ended up blowing the 3-1 lead to Denver. I'm like, okay, I'm it. Uh, that, that, that's it. I'm out. I've sold my Clippers stock. I don't believe in the Clippers ever again. I think I picked them to win the Western Conference Finals over Phoenix, but in terms of just the long-term Clippers success, never believed in them since. They taught me a lesson. They taught me a lesson. I will not, I will not bet in the Clippers ever again. Tell me I'm supposed to bet on Kawhi Leonard over LeBron James or Steph Curry? Please, stop it. Or a, or a wonky, talented, but no chemistry Phoenix roster over a Warriors roster that has the most chemistry in basketball and a Lakers team that has a ton of chemistry given the success they had in the last two to three months of last season? Come on, man. That, that, that's wild. I, I didn't get that in, in, in the slightest. But also, there were some other uh, interesting questions, though. So, like, they asked, too, which player would you want taking a shot with the game in the line? They had Steph Curry by a pretty sizable, sizable margin at 37%, followed by KD, Dame. I think Dame, honestly, even as a Steph fan, I honestly think Dame should be number one. Dame is, is stupid clutch. I mean, insane, like Jordan clutch. I mean, LeBron clutch. By the way, LeBron not being in this list is insane. The whole LeBron is a clutch narrative is something that I've tried to try my very best, but in some instances failed uh, due to the way narratives can can just spread like wildfire. This notion, LeBron James isn't clutch. Yeah, and he's like in the upper echelon of basically every clutch stat in NBA history. But oh, okay, knock yourself out. But no, it went Steph, uh, KD, Dame, Jimmy, and Jokic were tied, and then other players receiving votes were the two Mavericks players, Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving. So, uh, also, too, which player is the best basketball IQ? Jokic. How about this? A center. Not saying centers are, 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 are dumb in any sense of the word. I'm not, I'm not implying that or saying, like, uh, oh, centers have low basketball IQs. I'm not saying that. But to see a center, Jokic, at number one at 50%. Of the GMs voting him with the best basketball IQ is, is really interesting and very impressive. Followed by LeBron, Chris Paul, uh, Steph, and Luca also got votes. So, really interesting. I, I encourage y'all to, to check this poll. It's actually quite interesting. Uh, again, the championship one I vehemently disagree with. Not in terms of who's the favorite, but in terms of who's not included. Just wonky list. I'm not going to lie to you. All right. Moving on now to the content provider that just, just keeps on giving in the form of old Gerald Wayne Jones, also known as Jarrah. Jarrah Jones, the Dallas Cowboys, the owner slash general manager. And uh, he had a lot to say. He always does in his weekly uh, radio interview. I mean, he's talking about uh, the Cowboys and the loss to San Francisco. And he was... Uh, he was talking about the, you know, them getting blown out. He said, quote, uh, and I'll do this my best Jerry impression that I can possibly do. So forgive me if it's not that good, but I'll do my best. <clears throat> Quote, I'm not panicked, but the gap is when something tells you what it is, don't try to dream that it's something else. Now, what I am trying to say is that we can do better than we did out there Sunday night. That's a given. We ran into an outstanding team, and we didn't play well. Uh, we uh, we uh, have some, some players on the field uh, and a roster that can uh, get it done. End quote. He also said, quote, I believe Dak Prescott is a quarterback that can get us to the Super Bowl, and that's the way that's going to be. End quote. That's my best Jerry. It's the best I could do. Point is, Jerry Jones is talking about, he's still optimistic about the Cowboys. They got beat. Uh, remember last week, and I talked about this, how he said the San Francisco 49ers, that's the team that Dallas had to go through in order to get to a Super Bowl or contend for a Super Bowl once the playoffs get here. Uh, so listen, we are in such a weird space with the Cowboys where 
and I shouldn't say I shouldn't say that like we're just now doing it. We always do it. Sometimes I fall into the trap of doing of doing this. Sometimes others do. Sometimes we all do it together. I'll go down the same boat. But when things are going well for Dallas, everybody loves them. Oh, Jerry's telling me we going to the Super Bowl and and players are talking about it. We're going to the Super Bowl and we're going to end this this drive. The the Lombardi Trophy is the standard in Dallas, Texas, and the whole bit and 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 the media and the fans and everybody. We we understand that. And when it's going poorly, which clearly it did on Sunday, you lost by 32 points. Sky's falling. I'm, I'm actually seeing on debate shows, are the Dallas Cowboys going to make the playoffs? Yeah, they're going to. Come on, man. That's that's a ridiculous question. Will they win the NFC East? That's a, legit, that's a legitimate question as well. You're like, oh, Philly's 5-0, Dallas 3-2. But Dallas plays Philly twice. So that the division is far from over. It is week five after all. I mean, Dallas almost caught Philly for the division last year, so it's a long, long season. We still got to to early to mid January to go to decide that. Not saying the Philly, the Eagles can't, but it's it's not over. But Dallas, I understand people talking about their schedule is kind of tough. I think I saw they have the fourth toughest schedule. They got games against the Rams again twice against Philly, as I just mentioned. They got a game against Seattle at Buffalo at Miami. They got a game against Detroit, the Fighting Dan Campbells. They got some tough ones in there. But Dallas's bugaboo has always been San Francisco. And frankly, the league's bugaboo for the last year has been San Francisco. Bryson's best 10 a little later in the show. After the segment, rather. But every, with things going well for Dallas, we love Dallas. We shower them with praise. They're going to the Super Bowl. They're the NFC favorite. It's not going well. Are they going to make the playoffs? Let's just let's bring it right. Let's bring the both ends of the spectrum. Let's bring them together right down the middle. Of course, there's problems in Dallas. One of them being they simply don't have better players in San Francisco. Because in all honesty, with the possible exception of Philadelphia, I don't think anybody has better players in San Francisco. I said on Monday's show, I said, I think this can be the greatest team in NFL history. Not saying they're going to go 17-0, but talent-wise, and given what they've done in the playoffs before and what they're capable of doing this season, I think they can be the greatest team in NFL history. Can, not will, but can. So they have better players than Dallas. We complain about McCarthy, the play calling, understandably so. The game plan was really weird. Uh, really committed to running the ball in the second half when you're trying to get back into the game. Uh, Dak Prescott had a decent first half, a bad second half with the interceptions. Uh, two of them were, the, the third one was was a terrible read, but I, th- I think Dak, honest to God, I'm not just saying this to defend Dak. I think Dak at that point is like, man, F it, we're down four touchdowns. I'm just going to try a throw and and let's just let's just move on to next week. That was an F it throw. Uh, the other one, the other two different story. But the point is, people are complaining about Dak. Oh, is Dak the problem? Can he win a Super Bowl with Dak? For the record, I actually heard a guy whose football and intellect and IQ I trust with my life, honestly. And that's a man by the name of Deion Sanders, who's the head coach of the Colorado Buffaloes, Coach Prime. Uh, obviously, we've been talking about him a lot this season, rightfully so. But Coach Prime was talking on, uh, I think it was on Inside the NFL. Not Inside the NBA, like on TNT, but Inside the NFL the other day, and he was, or I think it was last night, and Prime was saying, man, I was watching that game, and I felt bad for Dak, man. I'm like, thank you. Deion Sanders likes Dak Prescott. That is great to know. That's great to know. So saying that, hey, Dak isn't just the, the only source the Cowboys struggles. Believe it or not, that's a that's a ridiculous notion, but hey, that's, don't trust, don't, if you don't trust me, that's fine. Well, I've never played a game of football in my life, never coached it. Let's trust a guy who's done both and done both at a very high level in Deion Sanders. But put Dak aside. Put McCarthy aside. Here's what I think is a, a sort of an underreported story in Dallas that is start, starting to gain traction a little bit, but something that Jerry mentioned in his uh, in his radio appearance. So he was asked about uh, about CD Lamb. It was a very weird answer. 
was asked about CeeDee Lamb and the the success and are, are they throwing the ball often? And we know Jerry Jones's history of he he doesn't he doesn't care to cut a receiver. He cut Des Bryant uh, years ago. He was asked about CeeDee Lamb the production and uh, Jerry Jones said, and I quote, "I don't know about that. I don't know about that. What what is what?" Jerry's not a guy who throws out cryptic comments. He pretty much tells exactly how he feels. What the heck does, I don't know about that supposed to mean. By the way, CD and Lamb, not that long before the show started, put a cryptic tweet just with the three, three simple letters, L-O-L. I don't know if that's a Jerry's comment. I don't know if it's the fact that I saw Richard Sherman this morning was saying that CD Lamb is not a number one receiver. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know. Maybe he's watching. Uh, maybe he's watching Jerry Seinfeld. I don't know. But that was a weird tweet at a weird time. And listen, Dallas is in it because I've heard the stat. Hey, Ceedee Lamb is. I think it's in the last three games hasn't had over fifty-five yards receiving. It's because they're not getting the ball enough. Listen, I too was a Ceedee Lamb skeptic going into last season. I'm like, okay, I've seen some signs, but Justin Jefferson. I still believe this. Justin Jefferson's way better than Ceedee Lamb. Brandon Ayuk is kind of on CeeDee Lamb's tier. He's been more successful in San Francisco. Why? It's a great system, and he's a really tremendous, tremendously talented football player. But I'm like, like CD, I feel like he's more of a really good two, given the success Amari Cooper had there. After that first month of the season last year when CD got off to a rough start from October on, that was one of the 10 best receivers in the National Football League. No debate whatsoever. All the numbers said it. The, the He had made the Pro Bowl. It's great. Why are they throwing the ball this season? Okay. Michael Gallup's coming off of, uh, I should say, come off an injury. He's, he's still kind of working himself back from the ACL tear. Brandon Cooks, when that member, when they made that move back in whatever it was, March or April, I'm like, I like it. I don't love it because I wish the Cowboys would have just decided to draft, to draft Jalen Hyatt. Okay, let's put that aside. Jalen Hyatt is being mis misused in New York. CD is the only guy you can trust. If you remember that Niners game, the playoff game, not, not the game this past Sunday, but the playoff game in San Francisco, Dak was just forcing the ball to CD. Dak had a bad game in that game. CD was amazing. Well, CD had to have somebody get in the ball. It was Dak. CD had like 11 catches for 140-some yards. Why? Nobody else is open. Except T.Y. Hilton in that one play. Dak missed him and Michael Gallup in another. But at, it got to a point where Dak's like, I, I can't trust anybody else. I'm just going to keep throwing it to 88. Well, now it's gotten to the point where is CD being schemed out of plays? Is Dak just missing? I don't think Dak's missing him. Dak and CD have a pretty good connection when they're when they're going at a high level. You saw it a lot last season. So if I'm Dallas going into, into next week, and they got a big one, Monday Night Football against the Chargers, it's in LA, but it's going to be a Cowboys home game. 90% of the fans, 95% of the fans, who knows, will be Cowboys fans. As I always say, the Chargers like the Clippers. They got like 13, 14 fans uh, in the city of Los Angeles. I mean, the Rams barely have fans. Of course, the Chargers aren't going to have any fans. But it's a big game for Dallas. If I'm Mike McCarthy and you're the play calling now, there's an extra heightened level of, of pressure in that regard. And there is for Dak Prescott, too, as the quarterback. I'm forcing 88 the ball. I'm forcing 88 the ball because this is a guy who, this is a contract year for CeeDee Lamb. CeeDee Lamb's going to look to get paid next offseason. Is that a comment by Jerry saying, hey, we can we can stand to lose CeeDee Lamb because he has paid Trayvon Diggs. Of course he's going to pay Micah Parsons. He paid Zach Martin. Okay, he's paid a lot of these players. And gave Dak his money. We'll see if Dak gets extended next year given his performance of the rest of this season and going into the playoffs. Is Jerry in the mindset of, hey, we can lose CeeDee Lamb? Because if he is, this is why Jerry's not a very good general manager. 
So I, I saw that people talking about Dak, people talking about McCarthy, people talking about Jerry. It's CD we need to be talking about. It's one of the, it's one of the three or four best players on the team. Is by a mile your best receiver. By a mile your best receiver. Not even close. I mean, I've been saying since the start of the season, hey, Dallas, go after a receiver. I said go after Mike Evans, but for the time being, it doesn't look like he's going away from Tampa, given the, the early success they're having, although they got Detroit this week, so we'll see. But Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton reportedly, Denver will listen to trade offers. Go get one of those guys. Go get a Jerry Judy to draw some attention from CeeDee Lamb. Go get somebody else out there. I don't know. I'm, I'm just looking at Dallas and saying a lot of the lack of success offensively, yeah, you could spread the ball. That's cute, and that's a nice concept. Get the ball to your best player. Get the ball to your, your best wide receiver. CeeDee Lamb's a monster with the ball in his hands. CeeDee Lamb's great after the catch. CeeDee Lamb's an excellent route runner. CeeDee Lamb's one of the faster players in the National Football League at his position. Get him the football. I uh, I would be shocked if first quarter CeeDee Lamb doesn't have five targets. Just force feeding the ball. Get him involved. Get his morale high. Because that's the thing with receivers. That if they're not getting the ball early, and we saw this, remember A.J. Brown was yelling at Jalen Hurts a few weeks ago? Like, dude, give me the ball. I'm open. And you've seen since Jalen has like almost forced the ball to A.J. Brown. He's had some massive games the last two weeks against Washington and against the L.A. Rams. Get the ball to your best players. Get the ball to your receiver. Okay, uh, you're, you're better off getting the ball to CeeDee Lamb than to to uh, than to than Jake Ferguson or or to Brandon Cooks. That's that's crazy. That, to me, is what I'm looking at with Dallas. Like, that's the problem more than anything. They're most talented offensive players in getting the football. You got to make that happen. You got to make that happen. So, again, the Cowboys have the Chargers next week. Uh, then they got to buy. Then they got the Rams. So, and like I mentioned earlier, there's some tough games in Dallas' schedule still. They got Philly twice. They've got the Seahawks, Bills, Dolphins, Lions. I still, I still think this question, whether they'll win the division, which I predicted them not just win the division, but to get the NFC's top seed and actually get to the Super Bowl and lose to the Chiefs. But whether they'll make the the, the, the win the NFC's, that's one thing. Make the playoffs? Are you kidding me? Here's how many Dallas isn't one of the seven best teams in the conference. That's what, no. Come on now. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the NFC standings today, and it's early. We're five games in. But uh, well, let's 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 line this up by by conference. Dallas has the. Yeah, Dallas has the, currently the time for the seventh best record of the league. But you're telling me Atlanta's better than Dallas, and Atlanta's in, in the NFC South. We'll see. Tampa Bay, okay, one. It's a grudge match. Somebody's got to win the NFC South. Tragically, uh, come on now. Like that's the no. Dallas is making the playoffs. As long as everybody, all their key players stay healthy, they're getting to the playoffs. Okay, talking about the Cowboys, talking about all these teams, talking about uh, the Packers. Are, the Packers are not in Bryce's best ten. Just spoiler alert: they're they haven't been in Bryce's best ten all season long. What are we talking about? But uh, Bryce's best 10, so I started it going into this NFL season about the top 10 teams in the National Football League. And we, we could do top 10 for anything moving forward, obviously, whether it's NBA, Major League Baseball, pop culture, whatever the case may be. Bryce's best 10 is going to be a staple of Carving Apply for many, many years to come, hopefully. Uh, but sort of the, the kickoff of that has been the top 10 teams in the NFL. So if we can get the background music going right now uh, for Bryce's best 10 teams going into week six. Going to week six, the 10th best team in the NFL. They drop a few spots. It's the Buffalo Bills. Actually, they drop five spots to number 10. You're like, Bryce, Buffalo Bills at five. Are you kidding me? Or at 10, are you kidding me? Buffalo Bills, the 10th best team. Are you nuts? No, I'm actually not nuts. I'm uh, I'm objective. Listen, this is a team. We've seen it, and I said this after they blew out Miami. 
the last two years, we've seen, or even the last three years, but certainly the last two years, we've seen them get off to these hot starts, these four and one starts, these six and one starts. They're feeling good about themselves. They have a, a signature win early on, the, on their schedule. In this case, Miami, you know, smacking Miami. And then they had that game where like, oh, they're gonna, they're gonna win, they're gonna beat that team. They're more talented and all that. It, well, the problem is the Jacksonville Jaguars have the superior quarterback. The numbers back it up. The success in the last year backs that up. And they got beat. They got beat up on the defensive side of the ball. Or Jacksonville's defense beat up uh, Buffalo's defense. Trevor outplayed Josh Allen in basically every respect of the game, uh, every every aspect of the game. Jacksonville ran the ball better. Jacksonville's better coached. Uh, but listen, Buffalo, Josh Allen still absolutely one of the six or seven best quarterbacks in the NFL. Stephon Diggs, one of the six or seven best receivers in the NFL. The defense is still really good, although they did lose, and this is a big reason I dropped Buffalo as well. They lost Matt Milano. They lost multiple other defensive starters. They lost Tredavious White for the season. So some key, key injuries for Buffalo. We'll see if Von Miller can, can kind of resurrect that defense to a certain extent with all the guys they've lost. But this is a rough, rough times for Buffalo. They got the Giants this week, so that, that's kind of like a, a get-right game for them to a certain degree. So just kind of get themselves back on track. But for now, I'm not a believer in the Buffalo Bills. I've got them today as the 10th best team in the National Football League. Two number nine, it is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Back in the top 10, back in Bryce's best 10, Jacksonville at number nine, and here is why. Listen, Trevor Lawrence, I have said this religiously for the last year. Trevor Lawrence is the third best quarterback in football. He ended the second half of last season as pro football focuses third ranked quarterback, third highest graded quarterback behind only Mahomes and Burrow. That's the only two guys I think he's behind at this point. People were crushing his performance through the first part of the season, completely ignoring the fact receivers couldn't catch passes to save their lives. Calvin Ridley was having problems. Zay Jones was having problems. Evan Ingram was having problems catching the football. Jacksonville was up there at the top of the league in drop passes. They fixed that over the last couple of weeks. Certainly, this past game against the Buffalo Bills, they're one of the better teams in the league on third down. They've seemed to have found a really good, consistent running game with Travis Etienne. And the defense is sort of starting to find its stride. Listen, they gave up seven to Atlanta, an Atlanta team that had some success offensively against Houston. And then this week, Buffalo only had seven points with four minutes left. They score a couple times there at the end to make the score a little bit look a little bit better just to keep pace with Trevor and the Jags. But that is a Jags defense that I was really skeptical about, but seems to find a kind of be finding its rhythm to a certain extent. They got a lot of good, good young talent over there. Love Doug Peterson. Always have since his days at Philadelphia. I think he's one of the, the better quarterback whispers to a certain extent. He comes from the Andy Reid coaching tree. Really like Jacksonville. I maintain that they'll lose to Kansas City in the AFC title game, but the Jaguars are the ninth best team in the National Football League. If we can go now to uh, number eight, for some reason, uh, looks like the Seattle Seahawks uh, uh, and, and number eight are, are not on this list. Uh, if we can, well, let's get that graphic back on there. Uh, again, so some reason Seattle is is nowhere to be found. Are they there? Here we go. Got the Seattle graphic right here. So here we go. The eighth best team, the eighth best team in the National Football League is the Seattle Seahawks. And here is why. Listen, Seattle obviously didn't play this past week. They're at number eight. They were at uh, number nine last week. They moved up a spot because Buffalo moved down. Uh, it's, it's again, I speak to the, the fact that you beat the Giants. Giants aren't a very good football team, but when Geno Smith goes out, you don't generate much of anything in the passing game despite having one of the better trios at wide receiver in football in Jackson Smith and Jigba, DK Metcalf, and Tyler Lockett, uh, and, and, uh, and Fant, the tight end who made some big-time plays uh, the other night. But defensively, Seattle, this kid, Devin Witherspoon, okay? 
This is a guy who I was like, when they took him fifth of Rome, like, eh, I feel like they overdrafted him a little bit. But if there's anybody who knows how to coach cornerbacks, it is Pete Carroll. The man knows how to develop that position at a supremely high level. He's looked great through the first month of the season. Seattle has a good pass rush. Seattle has an improved offensive line. This bye week will help some guys get back get back healthy. Kenneth Walker and Charbonnet, the running backs uh, back there, are both very talented, very good players. Uh, so I really like the Seahawks are at. I'm not saying they're like a contender in the NFC, but I think you'd be hard-pressed to find 10 better teams, or in this case, 9 better teams, or 8 better teams, rather, uh, that, are, that are better than the Seattle Seahawks at this particular juncture in time. I've got the Seattle Seahawks as the eighth best team uh, in the National Football League. At number seven, I know, I know we love to, 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 to crap on this team all the time, but let's, let's, let's reel it back in. Let's reel it back in. The seventh best team in the NFL is the Dallas Cowboys, and here is why. So look, Dallas, the rough loss, 32 to 10 to be exact, to the San Francisco 49ers in the Bay Area. Dak Prescott didn't play well because he never plays well against the 49ers because virtually no quarterback plays well against the Niners. Mike McCarthy's game plan was odd again, way too conservative to give yourself a chance to win that football game. Dallas's defense was abysmal, particularly in the pass defense, which was kind of what I thought was one of their weak, one of their strengths, rather. Uh, Micah Parsons had a, a very quiet afternoon, uh, quiet evening, rather, against San Francisco. However... Let's reel it back in. Micah Parsons is still one of the three or four best defensive players in the sport. Dak Prescott is still one of the 10 best quarterbacks in the NFL. CeeDee Lamb, if you could get him the ball, is one of the 10 best receivers in the sport. I don't love the offensive line. It's good enough. Zach Martin's still on it. Uh, maybe not maybe not in the middle of his prime anymore, but still very talented. Uh, I, I'm not going to sit here and, and just overreact to one loss. Like Everybody loses to San Francisco. Most teams get smoked by San Francisco outside of the LA Rams, and that's just because there's the, the divisional familiarity there. Okay, so that, that that's what that is. So Dallas lost to San Francisco. I expected them to. Didn't think it'd be this bad. That's why I dropped them. They were my number three last week. They're now they dropped to number seven. I expect they'll beat the Chargers this week, rise up precipitously on the list. Dallas Cowboys at number seven. The sixth best team in the NFL, they too drop a few spots, or a couple spots rather, from last week. Sixth best team in the NFL is the Baltimore Ravens, and and here is why. So you're like, Bryson, why didn't you drop Baltimore more? Here's why. So defense was excellent against Pittsburgh. Then again, most defenses are because Matt Canada is a clueless offensive coordinator. But if you look at Lamar Jackson, he had an awful four minutes of that game against Pittsburgh. The goal line interception down in the red zone. He had the the, the strip sack. Uh, Alex Highsmith strip sacked him. T.J. Watt picked it up. And then he came up short uh, on the final drive of the game. But for the first 56 minutes of that football game, the game, as a Steelers fan, I can say this, should not have come down to Lamar Jackson having to make those plays at the end or you know be, being put in that position. The Ravens had not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, but seven drops on the night, on the afternoon, rather, in Pittsburgh. Seven drops for the Baltimore Ravens, including three by Mark Andrews. That does not even include their best wide receiver at this, at least at this particular juncture, Zay Flowers tripping on a play that would have been a walk-in bomb touchdown on a gorgeous throw by Lamar Jackson. I have no reason to believe that this Ravens team is bad. Mark Andrews said after the game, listen, this isn't who we are. We've got a great defense. We've got a high-powered offense. I'm not worried at all about the Ravens moving forward. Uh, I may not like them as a Steelers fan, but I still think they got one of the better rosters in the league, and I still think they're absolutely a Super Bowl contender in the AFC. Baltimore Ravens as the sixth-best team in the National Football League. And now we move to the top five. At number five, the Miami Dolphins move up to number five. Last week, the Dolphins were at number seven, so they move up a couple of spots, and here's why. So we talk about, and I remember talking about this with uh, 
with the Buffalo Bills when I put them at number five last week. Didn't put them higher, but put them at number five is that I couldn't ignore the fact that in the last three weeks, Josh Allen was statistically the best quarterback in the NFL. Do I think he's the best? No, but he was statistically the best through the last three weeks, or at least leading up to that point. Tua Tagovailoa, over the course of the season thus far, albeit it's only five games, has been virtually first or second in every category that matters. I mean, touchdown, yards, and QBR, and pass. I mean, he's been great. Tua Tungabailoa has been undeniably one of the three or four best quarterbacks in the league this season and certainly is on track to potentially win MVP. You've got Tyree Kill doing what he's doing. Jalen Waddle back in the lineup. Raheem Mostert, uh, the running back, playing outstanding football. Now, A-Chain is going to be down for a little bit, which is a tough loss. Really talented running back that they have, rookie running back that they have. I like that Miami's offensive line. The only reason I didn't put the Dolphins higher, they're well coached too. I love Mike McDaniel. The only reason I didn't put the Dolphins higher, folks, that defense is a legitimate concern. They have twice now gotten burnt. First by the Chargers, then by the Bills, and even the Giants move the ball. Giants who can't move the ball to save their lives move the ball at a pretty consistent pace against this this, this Miami Dolphins defense with Vic Fangio, who I really like as a defensive coordinator. I still have faith that he can sort of get that group uh, uh, fixed. I do believe the Dolphins are a Super Bowl contender and a legitimate threat to the Kansas City Chiefs and the AFC. But as for right now, listen, I, I, I seem in the spot where they're the fifth best team in football, probably the second best offense to San Francisco in football. And then as for their defense, that's a little bit of a concern, but I love Mike McDaniel Tua, You guys know I bought into him starting last week. Uh, so props to the, uh, to, to the Miami Dolphins. They are the fifth best team in the national football league at number four. It's the fighting Dan Campbell's the Detroit lions, the fourth best team in the national football league. I know there's outside of, outside of Detroit, Michigan. I have to be the only person in the NFL or in the NFL, the only person in the world outside of Detroit that holds this opinion, but Detroit's the fourth best team in the NFL. And here is why the creativity. And I love this. This is what drives me bonkers about Matt Canada in Pittsburgh. Don't mean to bring up the man's name so much, but whatever the creativity by this, by this Miami dolphins, uh, by this might, the creativity by this Detroit lions offense, Ben Johnson is the offensive coordinator. You saw the play where, where Jared Goff is under center and they're throwing snap. They're, they're snapping the ball between Jared Goff's legs and a direct snap to David Montgomery, the running back. They've got playmakers everywhere. Amonra St. Brown. They've got, uh, they've got, uh, uh, Jameer Gibbs. Who's hurt this week. Isn't really being utilized that much, but you'll see later in the season, he'll get the ball more. He'll be making plays. Detroit has one of the five best offensive lines of the league. Jared Goff has this season, this season been one of the five best quarterbacks in the NFL. I think he's one of the 10 best in general. Uh, and listen, Detroit's defense, although they did lose my man, God bless him. Emmanuel Mosley, Emmanuel Mosley from the university of Tennessee. Mosley went down uh, first games is coming back from a, I think it was from a, left ACL tear. He then tore his right ACL. It's the other way around, one way or the other. Uh, but brutal, brutal loss uh, for, for the for the Lions. Hate it for Emmanuel Mosley uh, to go down for the season. Yet and still, though, you got Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. You got Cam Sutton. You got some playmakers in that secondary. Alex Anzalone at linebacker. You got Aiden Hutchinson just looks better by the week. This looks every bit of the guy that I said coming into that draft should have been the number one pick by the Jacksonville Jaguars. They made a mistake there. He's doing a spectacular job rushing the passer, making plays defensively for Detroit. I love everything about this Lions team. I've said since the get-go, y'all know this. I think they're going to be a game away from the Super Bowl this year, losing the NFC title game. Today, they are the fourth best team 
in the National Football League. At number three, it is the Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles are the third best team in the NFL, and here is why. So I think it's safe to say today, not even just by the standings, because standings can be a little bit misleading at times given the schedule, uh, but just in terms of the eye test, just in terms of what we've seen on film uh, from, from the teams this year, Jalen Hurts is playing outstanding football, played great against the Rams. I, I know his, his numbers aren't going to jump off the board, but if you look at the tape, if you look at some of those throws he was making to A.J. Brown, Jalen Hurts was spectacular with his arm and with his legs as per usual. The Eagles running game is at or, or near the top of one of the best rushing attacks in the NFL. They have the best offensive line in the NFL. Great weapons. Outstanding front four of their defense. Uh, front seven's pretty good, too. I'm still genuinely concerned about their back end, and that back end is going to get tested in the next few weeks. Uh, not starting this week. They got the Jets this week. But after that, the Eagles have a rough schedule ahead uh, with seven of eight teams that we see as either playoff teams or Super Bowl contenders. So a tough schedule ahead for the Eagles. But listen, I'm not going to criticize them. They're 5-0. and Only the Niners are 5-0 and outside of Philadelphia. Uh, the big time win against the Rams. That was my, if I were a betting man game, I thought the Rams would not only cover but win due to their passing attack. The Philly exposed the Rams' lack of, uh, of talent and depth at offensive line. Hats off to them. The Eagles today are the third best team in the NFL. And here's where we get to no changes whatsoever. The second best team in the NFL is the defending champion, Kansas City Chiefs. And here is why. So, again, people criticize Kansas City. And this drives me crazy, folks. People criticize Kansas City for these close wins. Oh, you played a one-win Minnesota, go on the road, and... Hey, got a little dicey there at the end. I mean, the defense had to make a couple of plays, get an officiating break uh, there with about four minutes to go. Folks, this isn't the AP Top 25 in college football. This isn't the old BCS system. That didn't matter. That's that's irrelevant, okay? Kansas City is absolutely one of the two best teams of the league. Patrick Mahomes is playing really good football right now. Uh, Travis Kelsey, now he's hurt. We'll see if he's able to go tomorrow night. I'm about to predict Broncos and Chiefs in just a moment. But that defense in Kansas City, folks, just looks better and better every week. They can take the ball away. They can get to the quarterback. Chris Jones is having a monster season thus far uh, to start this NFL season. Unquestionably the best interior defensive lineman with respect to the great Aaron Donald. Offensive line, Kansas City is really good. Andy Reid, we know that mastermind that he is Kansas City just offensively they make it look easy and defensively they look really really scary uh, on, on the certainly in the front four even the front seven and their back end is really good as well they've drafted well uh, I really like the kid McDuffie Trent McDuffie that they have uh, in the secondary as well at corner uh, but big time win by the Kansas City Chiefs they're 4-1 and they're the second best team in the NFL that leaves a very obvious number one the best team in the NFL today is the San Francisco 49ers I don't even think I need to tell you why but I'm going to so look Christian McCaffrey's amazing. The offensive line's really good. George Kittle had three touchdowns against Dallas. It might get fined for the for the shirt he wore underneath the, the his uniform, but let's see. He made his point note. He scored three touchdowns against the Cowboys. The Niners' defense is just stacked full with playmakers. Uh, even the, I forgot to mention Niners' wide receivers, Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, Jawan Jennings, really talented guys that they've got. And, and we cannot, this disrespect that we continue to show, and it's not been as bad this week, but in general, to Brock Purdy. Always oh, a product of the system. Uh, do you know this stat about Brock Purdy? I found this very, very interesting. I was looking at pro football focus, okay? Brock Purdy is the, if you look at the list here, the most efficient quarterback in the NFL when throwing outside the numbers. So he's not dinking and dunking. It's, this isn't Jordan Love and Green Bay with, the, with the, the coaching staff's like, let's just let's just keep him under wraps. Let's not have him make too many mistakes. No, they're like, Brock, sling it. Make those throws. Even if you don't have a crazy arm, he's accurate. He's got he's got poise. He's got control in the pocket. Brock Purdy is every bit, every bit 
It's undeniable at this point of a top 10 quarterback talent in the National Football League. Brock Purdy's playing unbelievable football. So are the Niners. Uh, I, I said on Monday's show, and I believe this, this has the potential, not saying they will be, but the potential to be the best team in the history of the National Football League. San Francisco, the best team in the NFL. They have been at number one for me since week two, going into week two. Uh, obviously, no reason to change that whatsoever, given their performance against the Dallas Cowboys. San Francisco, the best team in the NFL, and that is Bryson's best 10. Just real quick, we can recap this. Uh Actually, one of the graphics are gone for some uh, for some reason. But in general, so I've got the uh, in this order. I've got the Buffalo Bills at ten, the Jaguars at nine, the Seahawks at eight, Cowboys seven, Ravens six, Dolphins five, Lions four, Eagles three, Chiefs two, and San Francisco 49ers uh, still have them at number one spot as the best team in all of football. Uh, they just look so good, man. They, 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 like I've been saying for a while, I don't. Where's the weakness? If Brock Purdy is the weakness, yes, this team is in the discussion to be the best team ever. If if they go on to win the Super Bowl, they got to win the Super Bowl to be in that discussion, of course. But man, they they they, they look incredible, man. They look incredible. Uh, real quick, just a tab on a Major League Baseball. Astro Twins first pitch is coming in just a few minutes. Again, I've got the Astros winning this game, going closing out the series, getting back to the ALCS to take on their division rival Texas Rangers for a shot to go to the Fall Classic. Uh, Braves are, are down big here. Phillies are up seven and one, bottom of the fifth, and they've still got people on base with only one out. So, uh, feels like a pretty good chance Philadelphia is going to win that game, go up two one in the series, put the the Braves, the best team in baseball all season, on the brink. I still believe the Braves can win this series. I picked them to win it because I picked them to win the World Series when the year started uh, and beat Houston in a rematch of 2021. But it's looking dicey for Atlanta. Good thing is they've got their ace going tomorrow. So. Hopefully, somebody picked Atlanta. Didn't bet any money on Atlanta, but picked Atlanta. Hopefully, I'm coming in on Friday's show saying, okay, the Braves are still alive. Game four, they won game four, and game five is, is at Truist Park in Atlanta, Georgia, with them having a chance to get back to the NLCS. I'm, I'm hoping that's the case. If so, if or if not, Philadelphia will have beaten them and knocked them out in back-to-back years. So, hats off to the Phillies. That's a heck of a baseball team. Uh, all right, final topic. As we do basically every show during the football season, there's going to be a game, or in the case of Friday's show, multiple games given the you know the, the matchups we have on Sunday. So week six kicks off tomorrow night uh, in Arrowhead Stadium featuring two AFC West teams. It is the Denver Broncos and the Kansas City Chiefs. And Kansas City is a 10.5-point favorite in this football game. Of course, game is on Amazon Prime Video. So these are two teams. This goes without saying going in very, very different directions. Uh, Denver is playing awful football, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. Vance Joseph, and I like Vance Joseph, but uh, listen, he was the head coach in Denver at one point, and his defense was bad. Comes back as the defensive coordinator, his defense is worse. They did, after all, give up 70 just two and a half weeks ago, and now they've got their work cut out for them against Kansas City, against Patrick Mahomes. Now, Kansas City's injury report is a little dicey, so Travis Kelsey uh, in this game is questionable, as is, is George Karloptis. They're a really good defensive end they drafted a year ago who's been very productive for them, so two of Kansas City's key guys uh, have the potential to, to possibly be out uh, but as for Denver they are they're in almost identical situation as the Vikings are although at least the Vikings have the out that they won't have to pay Kirk Cousins after this year which is why I think they may move him uh, Russell Wilson can they move him man I'm not quite sure what the what the out is nobody's going to take on that contract the Denver contract hasn't even kicked in yet but for Denver look Russell has not been 
the source of Denver's problems or the the biggest scapegoat for the Broncos' problems the way he was last year. It was like, who's the big Broncos' biggest issue? Is it Nat Hackett, the head coach? Is it Russell Wilson, the quarterback? Uh, this year it has been, if, if you're going to put a blame scale on Peyton Russell, I'd say it's like 80-20 Peyton. Maybe more, but I'll be conservative here. 80-20 Sean Peyton. The defense has been bad. Uh, offensively, I know they played the Jets last week, and the Jets have one of the better defenses of football, but they couldn't get it anything going anything going in the fat passing game until late in the fourth quarter when Russell Wilson basically fumbled the game away so uh, Broncos are in a rough spot it's a short week for the record and I remember this game the last time the Broncos beat the Chiefs was in Arrowhead Stadium and on a third <clears throat> excuse me on a Thursday night uh, in Kansas City. It was in week two of 2015. A guy by the name of Peyton Manning was the quarterback. Yes, the last time the Broncos beat the Chiefs, Peyton Manning was the starting quarterback. Ever since Peyton retired, they've been going through a ton of guys trying to find the guy. They, they still can't find him. Uh, Russell, thus far, doesn't look like he's going to be the guy to, to get them to the promised land. But the, the, listen, the Broncos have plenty of other problems outside of quarterback. Kansas City's rolling. Andy Reid in a short week. Whether Kittle plays, whether Kittle doesn't play. Give me the Kansas City Chiefs big. 38-17. Listen, I, I, I don't think Kansas City's as quite as dynamic as Miami, at least from a speed perspective on offense. After all, the Dolphins do have a former Kansas City Chief, Tyreek Hill, uh, you know, running wide open for them now. But when you have Mahomes, when you have Andy Reid, and when you're playing a, a Broncos defense that has statistically been one of the three worst in the NFL, uh, it's, it's kind of hard to go against the Chiefs. And so I'll obviously take the Chiefs to win 38-17 to 17 and take them to cover this uh, this 10.5-point spread. I, I think this is this is easy money. Vegas is giving the money here, okay? I had a pretty good week four or week uh, week five predicting games. So I went, what, nine and five? I felt like I was going to go 10 and four if Jordan Love hadn't thrown three picks. But feel good about this week's picks. Uh, I'll have them tomorrow on the show. Before we get out of here, just sort of like an update. So Carving It Up Live will be on Friday, as we always are. What time it will be, whether it will be live is a little dicey. I'll fill you guys in by Friday's show. You'll see, trust me, by then you'll see exactly why that's the case. But, uh, for the time being, uh, Carving Up Live is certainly, we're 100% going to do a show on Friday, guaranteed it's going to happen. Uh, whether it's live or not is going to be a little dicey, but I'll keep y'all posted about what we're going to do with the show, but we'll have NFL picks, I'll react to Chiefs Broncos, we'll have the Vol View back this week with with, with Tennessee against Texas A&M, so a big time show uh, on tap for Friday. Uh, for Friday. Again, I'm not sure if it's going to be live. Not sure what time it's going to be. Again, I'll fill you guys in on that on Friday's show, by Friday's show, once we get ready to go for that. But uh, Carving Up Live will be back on uh, on Friday once again. So with that said, that is all the time we have for today's show. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks so much for stopping by. Be sure to go catch Carving Up Live again on Friday. Not sure what time it's going to be. I'll fill you in on social media. You can keep, I'll keep you posted on, on Instagram and on Twitter or X or whatever it's called now. Uh, I'll keep you posted on there. But until then, be sure to like, share, comment, and take two seconds out of your day. Hit that big red subscribe button. It helps the channel grow exponentially. We're trying to get to 1,000 subscribers by Super Bowl 58, which is February the 11th. Uh, so if you have subscribed, thank you so much. Cannot tell you how much uh, I appreciate it uh, for the show and for the growth of the show. Please tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a family member to tell their family member, tell their sister, tell their brother, tell their friend, to tell their friend to subscribe to Carving Up Live. Spread, this, spread it out there. Trying to, trying to get the word out. Carving Up Live, we're coming, baby. Uh, and also, also, if you haven't subscribed, like I said, just takes a couple seconds. Two seconds. Hit that big red subscribe button. That's it. Is that quick? Look how quick that was. Hit the subscribe button. It's that easy. All right. And also, be sure to go subscribe to The Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D, The Grid Podcast Network, right here on YouTube. 
as well as any and everywhere you listen to your podcast, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, any and everywhere you get your favorite podcast, you can catch the Grid Network. Some incredible content creators on there, no question about that. So definitely check our stuff out. Great episode, by the way, of the 8 o'clock spot last night. Had a blast. I moderate that show. We just completed episode 10. It was a fun one. We had like a snafu to a certain extent in terms of a tiebreaker rule. It was I have to go on the Grid's YouTube channel, watch it. It was a great show. It's our game show weekly on Tuesday nights at 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific time. So definitely be sure to tune in for that. All right. I'll see you on Friday. Not sure when on Friday, but I know I'll see you on Friday. Please stay safe out there. Please be sure to take care of your physical as well as your mental health. And please, please, please be sure to contact your local state representatives and senators to demand change for gun violence in America. Cannot wait to see y'all on Friday. It's going to be very interesting. I'm just, just a little teaser. You'll see why. Stay safe out there. God bless you all. Peace out. Liberty tonight in game two, WNBA finals. Here we go. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube and be sure to go click that big red subscribe button and check out the other clips and full shows from Carving It Up Live as well as our other incredible content creators here on the Grid Network.